0: I tell you, the older you get, have you noticed the more you've got to gauge how you're looking at things, and I'm definitely in that season of my life anyway. Well, I want to thank David for leading us this morning. This is his first Sunday with us officially, so good to have you, David. All right. We do want to continue to pray for Nepal, and uh, if you hear, if you've been able to see some of the emails that are coming out of there, you can see that there's devastation everywhere. I'm afraid the news probably hasn't picked up on the worst of it yet, and uh, there's a lot of devastation, and uh, in the coming weeks, as we hear more from Abraham... Uh, right now, they're in crisis mode trying to figure things out. Uh, we will hear more about how we can participate in helping in that situation over there. So, right now, just continue to pray, and then we'll see about our involvement in the near future. Well, today I'm uh, introducing a, a topic uh, concerning spiritual fruit, and today's the introduction to the series. And the series is, go- I've entitled it, uh, the, the series title is Right. It's Right. Okay, this study will allow us to look at the implications of the spiritual fruit mentioned in Galatians chapter 5. So if you have a copy of God's Word or you have your phone nearby or whatever, turn to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. Now many of us have goals in life. I, I would dare say that based on the people that I talk to, many people try to live their life with intentionality. And so one of the best ways that they do that is to set goals. And I hear people all the time talking about their goals, what they're hoping to achieve. Now, many of us have goals in life, weight to lose, possibly weight to lift, uh, money to save or money to spend. We also have career goals and family goals. But when was the last time you heard someone say that my goal this month, this year, maybe this week, is to allow more of the spiritual fruit mentioned in Galatians chapter 5 to live through me? I don't know that I've ever heard anyone say that. But if someone were to come to me and say, ultimately, now that I know Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, what is his goal for my life? I would say Galatians chapter five, verses 22 and 23 would have to stand out. It would be one of those things in which I think that God would say, pay attention to this. This is what I wanna see happen in your life. So look at the introduction down on your outline. The Holy Spirit is a gift from God. We understand that. Jesus said that himself. It's a gift that gives the believer both gifts to serve and fruit to display. You see, so many times when we think of the Holy Spirit, we think of the Holy Spirit leading us to do certain things. We think of the Holy Spirit empowering us to use our gifts. And, and those things are wonderful and all those things are correct. But one of the greatest things that the Holy Spirit does is produce fruit that can be displayed in our lives. And that's what he's looking to do. So if you look on your outline, when it, uh, so many times when we think of this subject matter, we think of the, the, the gifts. The gifts speak of service while the fruits speak of sanctification. And of course, the idea of sanctification is that whole idea of making, making you more Christ-like. And that's what his goal is. The gifts speak of power where the fruit of the Spirit speaks of behavior. Behavior. The gifts of the Spirit is what you do, and the fruit of the Spirit is who you are. Now, now think of this. It's, it is not the gifts that prove that a, spirit, that a person is spiritual. It is the fruit that proves that a person is spiritual. Now, think about that. There's many people out there who, who teach, who teach very well, who have the gift of administration. And you can list all the, li- all the gifts that are mentioned there, especially in Romans chapter 12. And you can say these pe- there's people who are really good at those things. But it doesn't necessarily mean that they're spiritual. To be spiritual is to be Christ-like. And that's what it looks like in Galatians chapter 5. So when a person is filled with the Spirit of God, it's not necessarily a, a great gift that pops out. It is the fruit that comes forth. Look at the Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. Many of you are familiar with this. The Bible says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. These are the nine. We're going to spend in the couple, this couple, next several weeks, uh, I would say, several months, discussing each of these. And how they can, can look in our lives. So if you have the gifts and lack the fruit, then many times you lack character. Not only that, you also lack those things that God desires to produce in your life. Now, now, let me just say this. Every one of you, if you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, there's one thing that you know that goes on in your life. There's a constant battle that goes on in your life. How many of you are familiar with that battle? It is. Paul spoke about it in Romans chapter 7. Well, I think one of the greatest men who ever lived apart from Jesus Christ himself, who was the God-man, by the way, Paul was a really good person when it came to understanding the implications of God's Word. And even Paul says in Romans chapter 7 that there's an inner struggle that goes on. Well, he mentions it again here. He says in in, in Galatians chapter 5, look at verse 16. He said, I say then, walk in the Spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh, lust, some translations say wars against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary to one another. And I've told you this before, but it just means that they're going in opposite directions. They're not the same thing. They're the opposite. It goes on and says, so that you do not do the things that you wish. Now, who's he addressing here? He's addressing Christians. He's saying, I know The key to your life, for you to live everything out that God desires you to live out, is to walk in the Spirit, okay? To have a daily consciousness, a moment consciousness of the Holy Spirit and His role in your life. And by the way, if you're not, if you're not walking that way, then then there's only another way that you can be walking, and that's according to the flesh. And what he's saying is they run in opposite directions. Guess what? He's addressing believers here. He's, he's assuming that there are times where we don't get it all right. He's assuming that we, f- we understand the battle, that we see the battle that rages within us. And he's very clear to point that out. So, so let's look at it from this perspective. We'll look at this a little closer in just a moment. But the fruit of the Spirit is a picture of spiritual qualities that are to be reflected in the personality and relationship of the believer. So you've got these, the works of the flesh, which we'll talk about those in just a moment. They're definitely waging war. They're, trying to, they're in competition with certain attentions in your life. And then you've got the fruit of the Spirit. These are the things that God intends to be displayed before others. This is what he wants demonstrated. So the biblical goal, or you could say God's goal for every believer, is for the spiritual fruit to ripen in their lives, to ripen. Now I went and when I entitled this series, I, I was sitting there and I actually asked my son Jonathan to come in and we sat there and we discussed it and we looked at it and we said, hey, we, I want to come up with something really cool here. And, and by the way, he's normally the one that comes up with things, but I came up with this one. <laughs> and, it, and he looked at it and he said, he said, dad, that's actually not bad. Like he was shocked that I could come up with anything. And so really, what really won me over to this title are the definitions of the word ripe. It literally means fully grown and developed. A secondary definition, advanced to the point of being in the best condition for use. Number three, maturity in knowledge and judgment. These all describe what it means to be ripe. And so when I look at these spiritual fruit, when I look at these things that God desires to to develop through us, and I look closely at those things, and I understand that Jesus exemplified these things when he walked the face of the earth. And I say, okay, this is what God wants in my life. How does that happen? It comes through a ripening process. Something that ripens within us. Now, I want to change subjects. We're introducing the topic this morning. Hold your place here. Turn to Matthew chapter 7. Jesus said something very interesting about fruit in Matthew chapter 7. Now, as you're turning, listen to this. Why would Paul use fruit to explain the work of the Holy Spirit in the life of a believer? Now, think about that. Why would he say fruit, spiritual fruit? Why wouldn't he say spiritual characteristics? Why wouldn't he say spiritual things that God wants you to do? (laughs) He says spiritual fruit. And here's why I'm convinced he used the whole idea of fruit. It was that whole idea that it takes time to produce it. How many of you are aware of that in your own life? It takes time to produce what God wants to produce in our lives. Fruit is the outward expression that there is an inward spiritual life. That's really what's happening. Another way of looking at it, fruit displays, think about it in the physical term, fruit displays something that's going on behind the scenes. Think about that. And that's what God wants to do in and through our lives. Now, how do you know you're looking at an apple tree? Now, some of you say, well, I look at the texture of the leaves, and I look at the bark on the tree, and I don't want to hear all that. The only way I can tell is if apples are hanging off the tree, okay? And and, and that's just from it. So when I look at that, now, Jesus had something to say about this. Look at Matthew chapter 7, look at verse 15. He says, beware of false prophets. Now, when he says false prophets, he's talking about those who are spreading heresy, those who are attempting to mislead people intentionally. That's what he's talking about here. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Isn't that interesting? He he doesn't use any other terminology. He said, you'll know them by their fruit. Okay, And then he says, do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree bears what? Good fruit. But a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit. Nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, by their what? Fruits, you will know them. Listen, now let's put it in the context of the world uh, of maybe where we live. It's not them telling your testimony, you their, their testimony, it's not them telling you certain things, it's how they live their life and how their life defines who they are. That's the terminology that we see here. So an apple tree, listen, is not productive Is not productive if it does not produce apples. The fruit of the Spirit is the byproduct of a true believer, a true believer. Now, let's look at the process of fruit bearing. How does all this take place? Look on your outline. First of all, there's planting. How many of you are planting a garden this year? Oh, yeah, look at you. Yeah, you're just planting something for the deers to eat. There you go, way to go, okay. (laughs) No, but, but anyway, for fruit to grow, a seed must be planted. How many of you figured that out so far? Okay, you gotta plant something. This is true in the natural realm and also true in the spiritual realm. Now, look on your outline. The seed represents the word of God. Jesus tells us that. In the parable of the sower, Jesus said that the seed was the word of God. However, before there is a fruit-bearing tree, what do you have to have? you got to have a seed. Y'all, that, that, that's our salvation. The seed is our salvation. We heard from the word of God. The word of God convinced us through the Holy Spirit that we needed a Savior. We came to those terms. The only way we knew that was through the seed of the word of God. And so at salvation, now this is a remarkable when you think about it. At salvation, a seed was planted in you. Now we know that when we come to know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, who comes to live within us? The Holy Spirit. And so that seed is there. In John chapter 1, the Bible is talking about Jesus, that whole introduction there, but it says that Jesus is what? The Word. He's the Word. And so all these kind of flow together. So we see this. Now, Now look on your outline. The fruit represents what I believe are Christ-like traits, Christ-like traits. And the first thing you'll notice is that they're not engineered by man, not engineered by man. How many of you have ever tried to do better? You ever tried to do better? I don't care what happens today. I'm not going to lose my temper. I am going to be under self-control. I'm not. And then you get in the car. <laughs> and you start going down the road. And you know my issues. You've heard them enough. But you have your issues too. Of course, Gary, Gary, bless his heart. That guy's in no hurry to go anywhere. It's, it's very interesting. He's going to live forever. I'm going to be in the grave well before he is. But, but, but the thing is, for for him, it's not necessarily that. For me, there's all kinds of things that can happen when I get behind the wheel of a car. But every one of us have our issues in certain issues in certain things in our lives. And so here's what we do: we say, "I'm just going to do better." And so we he haul around, and we go, and we get into that situation, and, and we know we start to feel our heart race. Oh my goodness, I think I'm getting into that situation. But I'm going to try harder. Let me ask you something. Does that really work? Have you, have you lived long enough to, to, to know that that really doesn't work? You, you know, <laughs> the only way behavior can really be changed, if you look at Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, and you look at the whole idea, idea of renewing uh, your mind, and you look at the transformation that takes place, here's what you're seeing. Whenever there's good behavior that's expected, and you're moving towards good behavior, guess what? You've got to deny the bad behavior. The Bible literally says you got to die to it. That's pretty radical. But most of us, when we get into it, we say, "Oh, I'm going to try harder. I'm going to." No, you got to die to it, which literally means that no longer defines who you are. And so, by denying that, by dying to that, guess what you're being? Do- what you're doing? You're making a new life. You're becoming alive to something else. There's something else that's there. It's not just correcting a bad behavior or something, an attitude that shouldn't be there. It's, it's, it's developing a whole new you of who you are. That is only done by the work of, of God's word through the Holy Spirit. That's what Romans 12, 1 and 2 is telling us. So, so it's not engineered by man. Look at verses, uh, look at Galatians chapter 5. Hopefully you've turned back there. Galatians uh, chapter 5, look at verse 19. Now the works of the flesh are evident. That I means you'll see it. it's very evident what the flesh is up to, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambition, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunken, uh, drunkenness, rivalries, and, and the like of which I tell you before. Just as I also told you in the past that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Basically what he's saying is there are those who are living habitually in this. This is what defines them. They're not a part of the kingdom. This kind of fruit is not kingdom fruit. This won't get it. And by the way, to keep from doing those things, we can't just engineer. We have to lean on something. There's something else that has to take place in our lives so it's not engineered by man now now think of this y'all these things I've just mentioned the works of the flesh how many of you have ever had a garden and you had your garden you had your nice rose you, you, I mean I, I've been to several of your gardens I've seen some of them you've, you've got it I mean some of you even go as far as putting a stake down and what's planted there you've got a picture of it I mean it's beautiful I mean I've seen your gardens but how many of you have ever planted seeds for weeds have you have you ever done that have you said, oh, this is my rope. I've dedicated this just to weeds. Look at all the weeds. Aren't they cute? I mean, look at that. You don't, you don't intend to do any of that, do you? But what comes up? The weeds. They come up naturally. That's just like your flesh. It comes up naturally. It's something that's just there. Sometimes it's there before we realize it. Sometimes it's out before we, oh my goodness. And and, and then we have to do damage control, don't we? Oh, I thought I died to that. So weeds grow naturally, just like the works of the flesh. It's natural. It's a natural response. So the fruit represents Christ's likeness. It's not engineered by man, but produced by the Holy Spirit. Now think of that, y'all. It's a work of God. It's a work of God. Through the Holy Spirit. So verses 22 and 23. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And then he says, against such there's no law. Now, many people get sidetracked as to what that means at the end. Against such there is no law. What that means is you're living in a higher realm than the law. The law is down here to keep you in line. The law is down here to say all the things you shouldn't do. But when we're living out the fruit of the Spirit... We're, 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 um, we're above all that. We've entered into a whole different realm of what God's desiring for us. Now, does he want us to keep the law? Yeah, he wants us to keep the law. But if we're, we're, if we're allowing the fruit of the Spirit to operate through us, we don't even have to be. We're going to operate exactly the way he wants to. He wants us to. And so we see that. So while, while, while weeds grow naturally, fruit does not grow naturally. Listen to this. You plant what appears to be a small, insignificant seed. Then comes the tree. Then comes what? The fruit. Something small and insignificant is planted or what seems to be insignificant. How about this? A husband gets saved. I've seen this take place. A man comes to know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Now, does that automatically mean that that man's perfect? Perfect. Spiritual fruit is just oozing all out of him. Not necessarily, but let me just tell you this there is something that does change. There is something. I'm, I would say if, the, if that man comes to know Christ and that seed is planted and there's someone there who's helping him and discipling him, is what we would call it, and discipling him and challenging him on certain things, guess what? You're going to have a wife that won't recognize him one day. You're going to have a children that will, say, that will say something like, What did you do with my dad? Because there's something that radically changes. It changes. This can't be imitated. (laughs) During the planting process, or what is called germination, a change on the inside becomes apparent on the outside. That's what germination is all about. And, And when I look at transformation, I look at discipleship, it's really just a matter of germination. It's a matter of where that seed is planted, and from that seed, something begins to shoot out of it. Something that begins to happen. And for a long time, you don't realize it's there. And all of a sudden, you just kind of burst forth. That's what we're talking about here. The next thing we see is not only the planting, but also the cultivating. The cultivating. Growth doesn't happen all at once. How many of you have noticed that? <laughs> it doesn't happen overnight. It's a slow, steady, growing process. Paul talks about this in almost every one of his epistles If you look at all his epistles, he never comes across as one who has arrived. He never comes across one as, I am perfected now. What does he always tell us? He is a work in progress. He's always saying that. And some epistles more than others, but he's always saying that. Sanctification is the process of a person becoming what God desires. It's a work of God. Just because a person says all the right words, serves in church, does not necessarily mean they are growing or even that a seed has been planted in them. You see what I'm saying? It, it, it doesn't, I've seen many people in which it doesn't appear that there's salvation there. There is not fruit there. A lot of people say, well, great day. I've taught Sunday school for 30 years, and I, I've done this, and I've done that. Well, great, man. We, we need that. The church needs that. But let me ask you a question. What's, what's happening? That's not the question. The question is not what you've done. Listen, and this is what God cares about. It's who you're becoming. It's who you're becoming. And who are you becoming? The growth of a fruit tree is not determined by waving branches. The growth of a fruit tree is determined by the sap slowly rising on the inside, bringing the necessary ingredients for the production of fruit. And y'all, when we allow the Word of God, which is led by the Spirit of God, speak into our lives, it's just like that sap that's rising up, that's giving life-giving nutrients to the growth that we are called to have as Christians. Now, when it comes to cultivating, there are two essential means for, uh, for growth. First of all, there's nourishing. you got to have nourishing or nourishment. Simple botany tells us that 16 elements are necessary for the growth of a fruit tree. 16. The roots must draw from these essential ingredients for growth and the production of the fruit. So it has to draw. The same is true for Believers. There must be certain elements in place for growth to take place. And the first thing you need, look on your outline, you need the sun. Now some of you are saying you're getting cute with your words here. Yeah, I am, S-O-N, okay? Physically, a fruit tree needs the sun. For the believer in Christ, we need the sun, S-O-N. The presence of Jesus in our life. Number two, we need soul. We need the right environment. That's the reason it's so important. I believe that we need a church family. We hear it called connection around here. We, we need to connect. We need the, the right soul. And, and, and that's the reason our friends are important, who we surround ourselves with. Uh, it's so important we understand that. And then we need water. We need the, the right attitude to the circumstances of life. We, we need these things. There's certain things that must be in place. Another essential to cultivating fruit is pruning. You've got to have good pruning. Now, pruning takes time, energy, and they tell me even skill to do it right. You just can't go out and just start cutting things off. How many of you ever tried to do that and destroyed the plant? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you can. You can, you can do that. Uh, to bring about the best fruit possible, you need to know three things. Look on your outline. What to cut. What to cut. Now think, of that. think about this. When you get saved, when you come to know Christ, there is still some of those old, that old life still is there. How many of you have discovered that? You came to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. He's wanting to do a work in your life. You want to choose to do the right things. But guess what seems to be there? That old life the old habits, the old thought patterns, the old attitudes, things in your life that should not be there, the bad things, and possibly even the good things that don't need to be there. And the thing is, you gotta know where to cut. Listen, the only way I knew fully where to cut, now, I understand the conviction of the Holy Spirit. How many of you ever have been in a situation where you had a choice to make and you sensed there was something in there speaking to your heart? That's the Holy Spirit. He's bringing conviction. He's bringing guidance to your life. He's bringing discernment. And how many of you have recognized that there's times where you don't always choose that, that path? You still go back to those old ways, don't you? Well, you gotta, you, gotta, you gotta know where to cut. I mean, you gotta, first of all, you gotta know what to cut. Second of all, you need to know where to cut. Where do you cut? Maybe there's certain relationships. Maybe there's certain things that you do with your time that need to be cut. you got to know when to cut. And by the way, let me just say this, and we're going to talk about this in just a moment. Did you know that it's God's role to do the pruning in your life? He's the one that does that. And, And do you know His timing is perfect? Did you know that the best time I hear to prune is in the fall? You know, you got to know when the best time is. Did you know that it seems like if I look over and I look carefully at what God's done in my life, he, He's been very tender with me over the years. It's like he, His timing has always been perfect. God is patient. You see, there are some, how many of you have been around people who felt like they had the gift of pruning for your life? You ever had that? Now don't look at your wife, don't look at your husband. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not getting into marriage counseling right now. But you do, you feel like there, and by the way, can people speak into your lives? Yes. There's people who have spoken to my lives, my life, my life, my life, who who, have said, you know, you might want to pay, I mean, that's that's there, we need that. But, But really, John chapter 15 says that the heavenly father is the pruner. He uses the word of God by the Holy Spirit. And by the way, that comes from our devotional life. It comes from sitting here today, hearing the preaching of God's word, knowing, hey, there's some things in here that need to be cut. Thank you, God, for revealing that to me, Lord, showing me those things. The purpose of pruning, listen, is for you and it's for the plant or the tree to be more productive in bringing about more fruit. That's the purpose for the pruning. The process of pruning can be painful. How many of you have noticed that? It can even be humiliating. Let me, let me give you a picture of it. Hebrews chapter 12. Write this down. Hebrews chapter 12. You can see it here on the screen. Verses 7 through 11. Here's a form of pruning. Here it is. If you endure, endure chastising, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? But if you are without chastening, without pruning, you could call it that, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate and not sons. Furthermore, we have had human fathers who corrected us, and we paid them respect. Now, this is a picture of pruning. Shall we not much more readily be in subjection to the Father of spirits and live? For they indeed for a few days chasten us as seemed best to them, but he for our profit that we may be partakers of his holiness, that we could become more like him. Now, no chastening seems to be joyful for the present. How many of you know that? Oh, Yeah but painful. Nevertheless, afterward, it yields the peaceable, what? Fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. The, and really, the word trained there could be discipled. Discipled by it. You see, let me just say this. A believer is always a work in progress. Always. Always. And there's a matter of pruning that needs to take place. Now, the purpose of planting and and cultivating, look on your outline, is producing. And there's two purposes for fruit. I mean, think about that. What are the purposes for fruit? Think about physical fruit. What's the purposes? Well, I'm gonna give you two of them, okay? Now, in this process, we learn, and here's what you gotta understand, that we are the branches and Jesus is the vine, You understand that, right? He's the vine, we are the branches when it comes to this whole idea. All of the life-giving force is found where? In the vine. If there's no life in the vine, there's no life in the branches. And so you gotta see that. And and so therefore, the branches in and of themselves, do they really produce anything? They really don't produce anything. It's the life-giving force that's in the vine that produces it. And so one of the first reasons, one of the first purposes for fruit is consumption. Consumption. Now look on that, look on your outline. We are to allow the Holy Spirit to produce the fruit in our lives that others may consume it. That others can buy in, that others can, can be a part of that, what's happening in our lives. We are living, listen, we're living in a world that is starving for love, joy, and peace. Did you know that? We are. I mean, you could you could say all the people that come to me for counseling, whether it's by email, whether it's showing up physically or whatever, do you know what the the outcry is? For love? Just the first three of the spiritual joy and peace. They're looking for those things in their marriages, in their life, and how they live their life. They're looking for these things. Now think of the value of fruit. Think of it. it. Has vitamins has minerals, natural sugars, amino acids, all full of nutrition. And when we eat fruit, it meets the needs of our bodies. Did you know that? And and if you need a little fiber, it's good for that too. Okay, all right, let's move on. All right. Fruit, I probably won't say that in the next service because they're a lot younger. No, I'm just kidding. See, you got more than you bargained for this morning, didn't you? Fruit not only puts necessary things into our systems to sustain a healthy life. Did You you know what else fruit does? It gets rid of toxins within the body that causes unhealthiness. fruit, Fruit does that. The Holy Spirit and God's Word do the same thing in our lives. They bring nourishment and also they help rid us of impurities. Now think about that. Pretty powerful when you think about it. Our sin nature brings about toxins within our soul. There's impurities, there's poisons that happen. Look back at Galatians chapter five, verses 19 through 21. Now the works of the flesh are evident. He, He could have easily summed up that whole list by saying these are toxins, these are poisons that are coming into your life. But if you allow the fruit to grow in you, it's not only bringing nourishment it's expelling the toxins that, are, that, that shouldn't be there. And that's the whole work of God in your life. We are to allow fruit to be produced in us that others, by the way, can be nourished by our lives. Now think about a parent. Think about that. Think about a dad or a mom who desires for the fruit of the Spirit to be lived out through them. Do you think their children are going to be blessed as a result of that? Oh my goodness, yeah. There's probably no greater evidence where it can show up than that. And you see that also in the marriage relationship, whatever it may, our people think about this y'all are people better off because they know you because you're exemplifying you're you're demonstrating the fruit, another reason a tree produces fruit is for the purpose of propagation. We are to allow the Holy Spirit to produce the fruit in our lives that other seeds might be produced. How many of you uh, it's funny Tina and I were, we were both raised kind of out in the country there for a certain part of our lives. And it's kind of interesting that um, both, both of us had the same story when it came to our grandparents. What do you do if you eat a good watermelon? You save the seeds, right? How many of you remember that? If you have a good one, oh, I remember, I remember my grandmother saying this. She can remember her grandmother. Oh, we got to save the seeds on this one because it's something that can produce something later. And so what do you do? You put them in the windowsill. That's what our grandparents did. And all of a sudden, they dried out for when? For when it was time to plant. And the goal was to take from what was good to try to produce something good again. That is the role that we have as Christians, propagation. The greatest tool for witnessing we have as believers is the fruit produced through our lives. The testimony of our lips is given credibility by our actions and our reactions. That's the fruit. By the way, God intends for all nine fruit to be a part of the believer's life. Did you know when you look at this list, you can't look at it and say, well, I'm doing good with all of it, but patience. You let one time of just, how many of you have before have just totally lost it? Be honest, get your hands up. I mean, you just totally lost it. I mean, it doesn't matter that you exemplify love, joy, peace, uh, faithfulness, kindness, gentleness, all these other things. All of a sudden, you have that one moment where you just absolutely lose it. Now, you can't look at God and say this. God, I'm doing pretty good. (laughs) Eight out of nine. Well, the one that you you can't get get your mind around, your heart around, and and change is the one that can be throwing everything else out. You got to pay attention to all of them. All of them. So here's the application. It is not our job to produce the fruit, (laughs) it is our job to bear the fruit. The life giving vine produces the fruit. We're the branches, remember? We're going to look more about that in just a moment. Okay, so, so what we're doing is we're allowing that life-giving force to come within us, Romans 12, one and two, to be active in our lives. And as a result, it bleeds in. It starts working in other areas. So, so turn to John chapter 15. It's the last place I'll have you turn. We're gonna see what Jesus says about this whole idea of fruit. When you think about it, now this is so interesting. When you think about it, a seed was planted at Calvary. I mean, Get your minds around this. A seed was planted at Calvary It died, then it became a vine that produced and continues to produce many branches. From those branches, which speaks of us, should come fruit. So so where was the seed originally planted for mankind? Right there at Calvary. Right there at Calvary. So when when Jesus starts talking about this whole idea of fruit, I think he's got to be thinking in his mind as he says these things that, that, that the seed will be planted at Calvary because in John chapter 15 when you start looking at the whole idea of what's being presented there it's not just the fact that fruit should be there and we'll see that in just a moment but the whole idea that the Holy Spirit's going to have a role and all this whole new relationship's going to open up you got all kinds of things mentioned here and so I want you to look at John chapter 15 look at uh, verses 1 and 2 Jesus said, I am the true vine, and my Father is a vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, what does he do? He prunes that it may bear more fruit. Now, I guarantee you that most of us tonight or tomorrow morning will not wake up or go to bed tonight in our prayers and say, God, just looking so much forward to the next pruning season in my life. Oh, I can't wait to see what you're going to do next. You know, you know that. <laughs> but that's where the joy comes. That's where you see things produce. That Listen, people many times that I've found who see a work of God happening with them even through the pruning process, those are many times people who are not sitting around doubting their salvation, wondering if they, wondering if they even have a relationship with Him. I remember through some of my years as a teenager, I know I was saved when I was eight years of age. That's when I gave my heart to the Lord. God did do a work in my life, continued to do a work in my life. But I remember there were times where I walked away from Him. You ever, you ever done that in your life? Let me tell you, that passage in Hebrews was very alive in my heart. God was chastening me. He was not only chastening me, He was chasing me. <laughs> he was pruning me. He was trying to get me back where I needed to be. And, and, and there's that process, and, and you take great comfort in that. Look, look at verse 5. He says, I am the vine, and you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in, him, I in him bears much fruit. For without me, what? You can't do anything. Your life can't produce fruit. You can't. This is not something you can just engineer on your own. You can't do it. Skip down to Verse 16. You did not choose me, but I chose you, appointed you, that you should go and bear fruit. Now, I'm not going to get into the whole idea of election here or whatever, but I do want to point out that he was a part of you bearing fruit and that your fruit should remain that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. That, That simply means this. If I am in if I'm where God wants me to be and I've been pruned and I've, I've accepted that pruning and I'm living and producing the fruit that he desires to me, it means that he and I have the same mindset about things. We see things the same way and, and whatever comes to my heart, everything, all of a sudden he, he's going to produce it through that. And we see that so clearly here in John chapter 15. So in these verses, we find that Jesus... Wants our lives to produce. Here's what he says. If you look at it carefully, he wants our lives to to produce fruit. And then he says more fruit. And then he says much fruit. But he doesn't stop there. He also says, and fruit that remains, that's lasting. Listen, it's not something we do for a while it's not a leaf that we turn over and all of a sudden we try it on our own attempts and we and for a little while we do it look it is something that becomes a part of us it's something now that defines us how many of you ever know, how many of you know someone in your life unless you use the whole idea of patience and you think of them you think man he he is the most patient person i've ever been around Did you know that the fact that he exemplifies patience now, according to others, that fruit's been presented, do you know what it does? It now defines who he is. That's what he wants these fruit to do. That when people think of you, it defines who you are. That's what he's saying here. So, so, so how do we manifest this fruit? Look at verses four and five. He says, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Here it is again, verse five. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit for without me you can do nothing. The word abide in verse, in, is used nine times in this passage. It means to dwell in, to remain in, to stay in contact with. It's literally this whole mindset. That you see Jesus as the vine, and you always are aware that you're a branch off that vine. You never lose sight of that. You you dwell there. You understand that. That's your perspective in which you live. That's what he's up to in your life. So here it is. The secret. To being a fruit-bearing Christian or believer is to stay in daily fellowship abiding with God by submitting to the Holy Spirit it's not a matter of you trying hard it's you submitting, it's you surrendering and you're you're literally you're saying this this does not need to be in my life and I'm not just trying to get rid of this, I'm replacing it with something over here and it becomes the fruit of the Spirit so I want to close with this thought God is much more interested, listen, God is much more interested in what we are becoming than what we are doing. Think about that. Does he care about what we do? Yeah, he's given us the great commission. He's given us all these things. He's told us what we need to be doing, what we need to be about. But before we can go there, it's gotta be about what we are becoming, about what we're becoming. So here's the question this morning. Who are you becoming? I've said this to you before. I I know I've said it on Wednesday night to that group. There's one thing. I I hit the threshold this year. I'm 50 years of age. And and I'm just going to tell you. I know know why there seem to be older people who are cranky and mean. I'm just going to tell you. It's everything within me now as a 50-year-old man, not to become cynical, not to become just frustrated, irritated. Some of you are sitting there thinking, you're dealing with a 50? I don't want to be around you when you're 70. <laughs> I'm fighting that, y'all. That used to not to be who I was. And you know something? I'm now more aware of the fact that God needs to continue to do a work in my life than any other time in my life. Because I am. I'm becoming those other things when I so desire to become all that He desires me to be. I want to be a person who's defined by love and joy and peace. But I'm just going to tell you. Can I get transparent with you? I think I'm almost as far away from that as I've ever been in my life. I'm not proud to say that. I mean, when I was putting this sermon together, you know, I knew where God wanted me to go with it. But how many of you have noticed when you get into that, you start seeing something about yourself? You see, God's Word is a mirror. And we look at it, and you know what happens? The reason we don't want to read God's Word, the reason we don't want the Holy Spirit, is because we don't want to see the ugliness that's there. That's the reason a lot of you aren't reading the word. It reveals the ugliness. You don't want to see it. You need to see it. That's when he can do a great work in your life. Would you stand to your feet? Father, I just come to you right now and I just uh, thank you for your goodness. I thank you for your word. I thank you for what it demonstrates, what it shows, what it proves. And Father, I just pray right now if there's someone here today and Lord, I I know that... uh, I know what you, you expect. I know what you're desiring in my life. Father, I just pray that it become reality. And Father, I know it's not a matter of me saying, I'm going to try harder tomorrow. It's a matter of me seeing my need. It's a matter of me seeing what doesn't need to be there and replacing it with what you want to be there. That, Lord, that frustration can be turned into patience and self-control. That, that that irritation can become love, joy, and peace. Father, I pray you help me. I pray you help everyone in this room to get our hearts and minds around what you desire for us. Father, I just pray that you'll have your way in this service, in this invitation. Father, if there's someone here today that doesn't know you as our Lord and Savior, help them to realize that that seed's never been planted in them. They, they haven't taken the first step. But Lord, that you're there with open arms, willing to receive them, to receive them, to to, to allow them to grow into the person you desire them to be, their creator. Father, I pray if there's someone here today that needs to do that today, they would make that bold stand today. But Lord, help us all to realize that our life needs to be the whole idea of allowing fruit to be bared through us, Father. That others can see, that others can come, We thank you for what you're going to do in Jesus' name. We're getting ready to sing a hymn of invitation.